Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. Welcome to 2021, a new year, a new you, a new me. I hope we're all stepping into our greatness this year. My theme for this year is acceptance of me, acceptance of self, acceptance of stepping into who I am at my soul. For me, that means radical honesty, unconditional love and acceptance of who I am to allow me to ultimately step into what I know I am at my soul. And that is a great human being. Greatness exists in you. Greatness exists in me. Greatness exists in all of us. If you're willing to be vulnerable enough to step into it, uh, there's so much that lives inside of you. Ultimately, my belief is that leaders are the ones who are comfortable living inside of who they are. They live in their own value system. And today's conversation goes deep into leadership. So whether you are a leader in your home, whether you're a leader in your business, whether you're a leader in your state, in your country, or even in your sport, the conversation around leadership is a very sequential and logical process and how to ultimately step into becoming a leader, acceptance of self, awareness of self, and then a huge continuum of things that you can do right now to step into and lead your tribe. I'm super excited to welcome Dr. Thomas Zweifel to the podcast today. Dr. Zweifel is a Swiss business expert who has got up to a 40X ROI with his management system with some of his clients. So it's very interesting to have Thomas Zweifel join me today to talk about everything that goes into ultimately creating a great business, creating a great family, creating a great team. We all exist in tribes. We have little communities and to be able to lead that tribe where you want them to go or ultimately where they want to go is a superpower. So I'm super excited to have this conversation today. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bubs, my favorite MCT, my favorite college. And thank you so much to bubsnaturals.com for sponsoring the podcast. I am, as you guys know, an absolute massive fan of Bubs and everything they do, uh, including giving 10% of profits to support military charities every single day. This is not just like, hey, it's for the holidays. Every day, 10% of the profits goes to support the military charities. Uh, Bub is a real person, was a real person, has a story behind him. I highly suggest you check that out. And if you're not already drinking intelligence coffee, which includes MCT from Bubs, and includes collagen from Bubs, and ultimately includes um, lion's mane from real mushrooms as well. Uh, you're missing out. I'm telling you, it's going to be the greatest thing you add to your life. And it makes me happy every day when I wake up, giving me something to look forward to, to get my workouts primed, to get my brain primed, to ultimately thrive and show up to be the best version of myself for you, for my family, and for my business so I can lead my tribe. Head over to bubsnaturals.com and use the code BEN for 20% off right now. Get Put it on auto ship too, because getting this stuff every month is like Christmas. Enjoy the podcast with Thomas Weifel. Dr. Thomas Zweifel joins me today to talk about uh, coaching and leadership. Thomas, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And you've got a beautiful backdrop there in Zurich. How's the weather? <laughs> Actually, it's snowing. Uh, if, I, if I go up here, you can see the sky. It's totally gray, uh, slush. You know, it's, it's kind of disgusting to be outside. So right. I'm, I'm in front of these beautiful plants here. So that's good. So I won't tell you that I'm in Florida and we're going to the beach this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rub it in, rub it in. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it, it's a, it's definitely a, a blessing to be in Florida right now. It's literally going to be 80 degrees this weekend. And, and uh, I mean, it's it's pretty nice to be able to go outside in the middle of December. I'm very happy for you. <laughs> Don't rub it in. Um, so 
you've got an extensive background in, in leadership, in helping executives um, manage and helping executives lead, helping executives coach. And that's why I thought it'd be a very interesting conversation for us to have today to start getting into, well, what are some of the things that people do wrong? And you, you made the comment that your last name is Weifel means doubt. And I think most co coaches, as you say, uh, are full of doubt and lack confidence and uncertainty in their ability to one, get a result, two, deliver results for uh, a huge array of people. And I think they even doubt their ability to get a result for themselves. So I think it'd be very interesting to kind of start to unwind what you've discovered in your many, many years of writing and uh, researching and then ultimately teaching uh, the highest level executives in the world. Yeah, you put your finger on, the, on exactly the, the issue at hand. Uh, and I actually want to tell all those people that, that feel they lack confidence uh, to be leaders or to be coaches, uh, you don't need confidence. In fact, overconfidence may be uh, the, most, the most difficult pitfall that you could fall into. That if you feel that you know, if you feel that you know more than uh, the coachee, the person who comes into your gym or the person who you coach, you know, to build up that six pack. Uh, and by the way, if you look at me, I'm, I, I may sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I'm definitely not built like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You, you can, you know, I'll show you my muscles later, but uh, <laughs> uh, I actually think that doubt and not knowing is probably the most important thing. Uh, so that you don't you don't advocate something that you think you know because that's not what the coachee or the client or the person coming into your gym wants from you they want uh to be asked they want to be supported not told what to do or uh you know somebody who says i know what's good for you and you have no idea and i'm gonna slave it over you uh, that doesn't work in my experience so true. And that's a very powerful thing to express to coaches is, you know, what I always say to my coaches that I mentor is, is you're not there to tell them to do anything. You're there to ask questions and lead them down their path. And the, the metaphor I always use is if people believe the earth is flat, you can't convince them the earth is round. You just have to send them down the path of asking questions and maybe having them come to their own realization that maybe they're pre what they previously thought was incorrect. And that's... Uh, a massively powerful skill set and certainly a, a complex one. Is that something you've studied at length? Is, is uh, maybe high level questions and uh, meta bottle question asking? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we go back in history, even Socrates started, right? It's called the Socratic method. So you're, you're basically, instead of thinking you know and, and the, the, the client is your slave in a way or, or your, your pupil, uh, you actually are in a spirit of inquiry, of exploration. You know, where, where does this person want to go? What's the future that they dream for themselves? Uh, what, where are they falling short? Where do they not feel sure of themselves? Where do they have a blind spot? You know, why are they coming late to the gym? Or why, why did they drop their membership? Or why did they fall back in the, in the exercise regimen? Uh, and, and, you know, those why questions are not, they, they should not sound like accusatory or like, you know, why did you not come yesterday? I thought we had an agreement. Right. It has to be kind of in a spirit of exploration. And let's face it, the, the client is the boss and the client has to live with whatever the conversation is, 
with the outcome afterwards, right? They, it's their life and they know best what's good for them. But sometimes they may not see everything or they may not have thought about it from all angles. So you with your questions can help them to kind of look at, you know, if I do it this way, is that the best way to, to my goal? If I want to develop a great six pack or whatever I want, you know, um, what's the strategy? Uh, and for that, you have to be in that spirit of exploration and inquiry and not in a spirit of advocacy or knowing. In fact, I found that, that what I know can get in the way. You know, I, I got a PhD. I've written all these books and I, I have to remind myself not to know. If I'm with a client, I have to remember that I will never know their life as well as they do. They know their whole life. They know their wife. They know their children. They know their, you know, their circumstances. They know their opportunities and their talents. And I can help them kind of unearth that. So one of the things that I extrapolated from doing some research on you was this beautiful um, awareness that you that you put forward of asking the right questions. And I think that's really hard. And there's a lot of layers to that. I think as a coach and as a human being, the first um, level is having an awareness to ask questions and then having an awareness mm -hmm. which questions to ask and then not imparting your beliefs and wants mm. and desires and expectations on them. So we can start unpacking this comp this concept of asking the right questions and how you propose we even start looking at that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I basically cut it down in a what I call the global leader pyramid. And it starts with, like you said, it starts with self-awareness. Yeah. So as a coach or as a trainer, I have to kind of think about, am I Am I subject to any blind spots? You know, am I trying to prove something? Am I trying to, to be a smart ass or whatever? Uh, and, and to actually look, am I really a clean instrument? Uh, do I really look at this person and I want their best and I'm not trying to show them how much I know or, or you know, how small they are or whatever, but, but really, am I in this spirit of inquiry as a, as a as an open learner myself, right? Who doesn't know? And then the second level is I build a relationship. So I I I ask them, you know, for example, what kind of relationship would you like to have to to achieve the future that you really want? Yeah. And again, so it cannot be setting expectations, right? Exactly. What yeah. do you expect from this relationship? What do you want from me? How can I support you? Uh, what, what do I want from you? And you set some ground rules, you know, if we're going to work together effectively, uh, you know, it may be that you need to come to me. So what I always say to people is you have to generate the, the request for coaching. I'm available for you, but I'm not going to be your policeman and I'm not necessarily the expert here. And I'm not a mentor. A mentor knows more than the, the mentee, right? But as a coach, I'm really not knowing and i'm available and the person needs to come to me they need to initiate the request for coaching um, so those are some of the examples of of building that relationship then i go to the vision level and i say where do you want to be in the big picture at the end of your life right so uh, you know if you wrote your own obituary uh, <laughs> that's kind of an extreme example but, but no, what's I do the that with i'm sorry i do that with everyone Exactly. You know, you, you kind of want to see, let, let's look at it. I mean, 
I, I, I ran six marathons uh, and I had a, a speed coach for the marathons, right? And the guy said, it's all, 10% is won by the body of the marathon. 90% is in the mind. Am I, am I able at every step along the way in that marathon to be bigger than the challenge, right? That's really what you're coaching people to do. Um, and so if I go from the, in the vision level, I, I say, okay, where do you want to be so that I can really be committed to the success of that whole human being, not just their results at the gym, not just what they want to do in terms of weightlifting, but you know, their, their success. I'm not just committed to their results. I'm committed to their success. And for that, I have to see the whole picture. I love it's that. It's a little bit like, uh, you know, to draw another analogy, uh, Roger Federer, who's obviously my hero, is the Swiss tennis professional. Uh, Roger Federer is coached by Ivan Lubicic, at least yep. as, of, as of now. And Ivan, in order to be effective, has to understand all of Roger Federer, not just him as a tennis player, not just him wanting to win Wimbledon or, or Grand Slam, but to actually be committed to the entire success of Roger Federer. He needs to know that he's married, he has four kids, he has this financial situation, he has these dreams and these fears. Then he can really be of, of added value. I think there's, so then, yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think there's a few things that, to point out there. It's like, if I want to be a successful coach, I have to care about that person. I have to care about their best interest. I have to understand all of the things that go in, as you're saying, and mo most people in our world have become specialists, haven't they? Like. I'm a nutritionist, or I'm a trainer, or I'm a psychologist, or I'm a sleep expert. And there's very few people who have an integrated model and we can look at all of the facets of what's going on in your mind, what's going on in your nervous system, what's going on in your nutrition, what's going on in your relationships. And I think that's what I'm trying to build is, is these um, resilient coaches who, who are diverse enough and mm. uh, deep enough in each of the areas. It's like a deep generalist concept, right? where I haven't known enough about all these little things to be able to give insight and perspective and ask the right questions. And then I actually have to care, as you say, uh, and most people don't, right? Most people are so consumed with their own um, issues that they don't have enough energy to, to give forth to care about somebody else. That's brilliant. That is absolutely the essence. You know, if I can commit myself to that human being and to use an old word, uh, people are usually in business or in sports, they don't like that very much, but it's actually love. <laughs> so 100%. Know, it, when, when, I, when I looked at, I, I researched, you know, what the best coaches in the world, like Red Auerbach or, uh, you know, top people in basketball or, or any of the, yeah. of the coaches, what they all have in common is they have an unabiding, uh, I'm sorry, abiding love for their yeah. players. Yeah. And they had a love for the game. And as you say, they were not caught in their specific specialties uh, of what they knew. They, they were looking at the big picture of, you know, what's that human being and what's the possibility of this human being? And I tell you what, if you do that and you stand in that place, people will flock to you. Whether you have confidence or not is, so, is right. not so much the, the, the point. It's, it's like in dating, you know, don't be interesting, be interested. Yeah. Um, one thing I say to all of my clients is I believe in you more than you believe in yourself. And therefore, I will hold you to a higher standard. I will, I will lift you up when you're down. I will, I will do my best to make sure that I'm always by your side through those hard times. And then I start to gain confidence, right? It's like this, this idea of 
as a coach, I'm there to believe in you. Like if I, I want to believe you can do anything. So eventually you start to believe in yourself. If I can provide that alone, that alone for somebody, I think it could be life changing. Exactly. Now, there's only one pitfall in that. Uh, I completely agree with what you're saying, but just one trap that people fall into is that sometimes we are more committed to the success uh, or more committed to the results oh, of that the person time. than they are themselves. Yep. And let's remember, they have to live with the outcome, right? So they, it's their life. And I always say to them uh, in the beginning of the relationship, when I set up the relationship, you know, you're the boss, you have to live with this after, after I'm long gone, right? It's your life. So if at any moment you, you don't feel empowered or you don't feel supported or, or something is wrong, just let me know and we can interrupt this at any time. So you're not my slave. You, I'm not your boss. I'm not your policeman. I refuse to be your policeman. I think it's a demeaning role to both of us. I mean, nothing against policemen, but the, yeah. Uh, that's not the relationship that we want to build. We want to build a relationship that's, I, I liken it like in the circus. You know, when, when, I, when I jump off the trapeze in the circus, can I be 100% uh, confident that you will catch me? 100%. That's the kind of relationship that people have uh, as firemen or in the army. And that's the kind of relationship that you need as a coach with your coachee. So each of you has to, has to be a hundred percent reliable for your word, right? So if, if I give my word to you, then you need to know that I will, I will either keep my word or I will let you know if I can't and vice yeah. versa. So that's, yeah. that's what I mean by relationship. It's not a function of how many years you spend together. It's not a function of how many beers you have or how much alcohol and nothing against alcohol, but right. <laughs> that's not the critical ingredient, right? Yeah. It's, it's a conversation, basically, at the end of which there is trust and shared values and partnership. Coming back to this, this idea of like, you know, maybe the coach believing in the person more than they believe in themselves or being more committed to the outcome than the person is. I often use that as a, as a kind of a differentiating factor as to whether or not I'm going to work with somebody. You know, I'll say to them on a call is like, hey, I guarantee I'm going to be committed to this. And I need you to tell me that you're as committed to or more than I am. Otherwise, why are we going to work together? You know, I'm a, I'm a very committed, passionate person and few people have that level of passion and commitment. And if they don't, I'm like, listen, if you're not going to do the things that I need you to do to succeed, then we're, we're going to waste our time. It's wasting my time. It's wasting yours. Let's not work together. And it ends up either, you know, kind of helping me differentiate. Is this a good person to work with or not? And they'll know right away. Mm, that's yeah. very powerful. That sets the relationship right from the get-go to a totally different level. And you know, they may have never had a person like that, a person that was 100% committed to their success, right. but not part of their system, you know, somebody outside of their, of their system who will be the wall for their commitments, who will not give up on them. Even when they themselves want to give up, they will not give up. I mean, that's an immensely precious resource to have in your life. And when I look at my life, you know, you, you were very kind about all the things that I've accomplished and I've been very lucky. Uh, but, but most of all, it's a function of the coaches that I had along the way. They may not have even called themselves coaches, but I can remember exactly along my life path, who was my coach in building financial freedom? Who was my coach in my, for my body? Who was my coach for my mind? Who was my coach for leadership and for strategy? And those, to have those people was for me, 
uh, absolute key success factor in my own development. And I think it's the same for my clients. Uh, anybody, sure. right? Anything so, you've ever accomplished of value that was really big uh, is probably because somebody was coaching you. Yeah. So tell me some of the most impactful lessons you've learned from your coaches. <laughs> well, uh, one one man uh, whose name is Carl, Carlos Acevedo, he, I was just thinking about him this morning. Uh, sadly, he passed away uh, last year. And I, I just found out from from one of my best friends. And he coached me on freeing myself from certain uh, job positions, you know, where I, I was caught in something and I, I felt like I had to stay there for security reasons, uh, for the money or whatever. And he coached me freeing myself from that. And he actually coached me even to sell my company, which was Swiss Consulting Group. And since 2013, I've been financially independent and then even financially free. And he gave me a very beautiful tip. He basically said, create three keywords that you will live by. What are three keywords that, that will, for the, for the next time, you know, for the next months, will guide you along the way? And the three keywords that I came up with was, I'm responsible, I'm incorruptible, and I'm free. And those keywords, uh, I actually put them in my calendar because I'm, I needed to remember them and I needed to be reminded and have my face in them. So in my calendar, I have a repeat occasion that pops up every few hours to say, are you still, are you still responsible, incorruptible and free, right? Um, so so to, to have that concept of those three words uh, that accompany me all day long, very, very powerful. I'm and I will curious. forever be grateful to Carlos. Yeah, I'm curious what those mean. Obviously, so responsible, that makes sense. You're, you're responsible for your life. You're not a victim to your life. Uh, tell me about incorruptible. Incorruptible basically means I have certain values that I stand by, core values, uh, such as integrity. And I, I don't mean integrity as a moral phenomenon. I mean it as simply like honoring your word as yourself. I, I will stand by my word, whether I'm inspired to work out, you know, and I work out every morning and still, I don't look like Arnold, but I, but I do my 100 push-ups and I do my, my sit-ups and my yoga and my meditation and stuff. Yep. And, uh, and you know, sometimes let's face it, I, I really don't feel like it. Uh, this morning, I definitely didn't feel like it, but to, to honor my word as myself, uh, is very powerful, regardless of uh, what what my moods are or my feelings are. I said I would do it, and I will do it, and I'm doing it. And so, if I can't do it, then I will let some let people know that are affected. Right? Tell me about free. Free means I have always the the dignity of choice. I'm like you said, I'm not a victim. I'm not a slave to somebody. I am out of Egypt, out of the prison. <laughs> uh, and I have choice every, every moment. And it, it's really what you said about not being a victim. I think it's, it's coupled with, uh, with responsibility. Or, or another way of saying it, responsibility is the, is the path to freedom, even though that sounds paradoxical, right? Because we right. think that the less responsibilities I have, the more I can go to the beach and do whatever comes up. But that's not really freedom. Right. Freedom is to, to live the life that you designed for yourself. That's for me, freedom. Um, 
So with respect to coaching, we spoke about, um, you know, maybe having a healthy degree of uncertainty and curiosity with coaching, um, asking deeper questions. How important is process? And, and is it important that some coaches have some degree of process to get, you know, we understand we're asking you questions about getting clarity on your goal. We're giving you this end of life process or this end of life um, assignment. And then once we have clarity on where you want to be end of life, is, is there some necessity or some maybe logical process that exists um, to be able to walk a person from where they are to where they want to be? I'm so glad you asked that question because I, I dropped that out. <laughs> uh, so so if, you, if you stand at the end of your life or, or you could also, if that's too far out, you could also say, you know, in five years, uh, for example, I have my, my students and, and my clients uh, write a newspaper article about themselves, right? So what if there was a, 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 an article in your favorite newspaper uh, and it's five years from today and some journalist writes about Ben, you know, and, and he was hugely successful. And, and what, what exactly did success look like by the end of whatever that year is, right? In five years from today. And then you, and you, you look at, you know, what do people say about Ben and, and uh, what were his accomplishments and what, what was unique about his strategy and how did he lead or how did he communicate with people? So, so kind of like his value system. Um, and then you come back from that. You can do what I call a, a kind of a reverse roadmap. So you think back to three years from today and then one year from today. And, and suddenly you have the next year laid out for yourself. And there, then you build basically the strategy, right? But you build it from the future, not from the circumstances now. Correct. So yeah. it's not like, you know, I'm, I'm too fat and I need to correct that. No, you think about who you're going to be in the future in five years from today. And then you say, what, what would have to happen by the end of next year so that this vision in five years is almost inevitable? And then you think about the structure and the processes and you say, what, you know, what do I need to do on a monthly basis? Or what, what would be a ritual? And I, I'm a big believer in rituals, you know, daily rituals, weekly rituals, monthly rituals. For example, I have a, a daily ritual to write because I, I write books and I've written nine books with this approach. Just a mini step every day. Again, even if I don't feel inspired to write, the inspiration comes with the writing, right? Uh, I have a, a ritual to exercise. I have a ritual to, uh, to read to my daughter every night, the, the younger daughter, and to, to learn with her together, right? So whatever the rituals are that are consistent with your outcome or your goals or your, your vision for the next year that you want to accomplish. I love it. So when it comes to uh, goal achievement, for me, I call it a three-step process and I'd love to hear what you would add to this. So I say you need skills, habits, and process, right? Mm. So if I want to achieve a, uh, a goal in, let's say, 20 years or, you know, I'm planning out my next 10 years literally as we speak, and I'm like, okay, what are the skills, the habits, and the process that I need to get there? And so I think habits and rituals kind of sounds like the same thing. It, it's, it's, you know, semantics maybe. Uh, is there yeah. something that I'm missing? Is there something that you go, hey, no, this is, this is an important thing that you should add into that, that list? Or do you have a completely different thought process on, around goal attainment? Just tell me the three again. Uh, skills, skills, habits, and, the and process. So strategy. Ah, like okay, you. got it, got it, got it. Yeah. So the process, what you call process is what I would probably call a structure for fulfillment, right? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like, what's the structure uh, 
maybe it's money, maybe it's time, maybe it's relationships that I need in order to uh, to achieve success, whatever that success is that I've that I've set for myself. So I think yeah. that's I think that's that's congruent. I think that we're, we're basically looking at the same thing. Um, the the one thing that I would add is, uh, and you brought this up when you said skills. I always ask when when I have a goal or a future that I want to accomplish, or my clients want to accomplish. I always ask them what's missing now and what's missing is not what's wrong what's missing is not what's bad what's missing is not something to be ashamed of it's actually what's possible it's another way of saying what's possible so if i say you know in five years i want to be the ceo of the company then i would look at what's missing now and what's missing could be skills like you said or what's missing could be resources or what's missing could be um, time. Well, that's a resource as well. So there could be certain blockages. You know, I don't have the relationship that I need with the CFO. Uh, so I'm going to build that partnership. Um, and the same, by the way, goes for sports, right? If, if I want to have a certain body in five years from today, I want to sustain uh, my resilience or my, or my condition, my, my, my fitness, um, I can do the same thing. I can look at what's missing now. What are the barriers to, to that becoming a reality? And I have to be very almost pessimistic at that time and, and say, what could go wrong? That's one of the best questions that I know is what could go wrong? And by the way, those are questions you can also ask when you coach people. That's you know, exactly so what I was thinking. To be, to be inspired and say, well, you know, it's all going to be great. And people commit and they say, wow, it's, I, I, I can see the light and I, I see how to do it. What happens when they run into the first wall, right? When it's like suddenly, oh, they're going through a divorce, God forbid. And, and suddenly the whole exercise regimen falls out the window. What are you going to do there? Right? So what could go wrong is a great way to shore up your structure and your strategy. That's brilliant. You said that because that's exactly where my head went as, as a coach or someone who maybe out there is listening is coaching. Like what's missing that's going to hold you back from achieving that goal. Maybe this single question that if people continue to ask that question and like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing that's missing? You know, maybe just one at a time, it starts to unravel this process that will be removing barriers as they arise or removing the most, um, you know, the, the most obvious barrier right now in front of their clients. Exactly. And just to complete that, you know, if there's, if people want a very simple way of coaching, and obviously there's a, there's a whole book that I did on this called yeah. I Coach. Uh, so obviously I, you know, I can't do justice to that within a few minutes here. But if you want to boil it down to very, very simple coaching process, it would be number one, uh, what have been your results? Okay, so, so if somebody comes in, I would say, okay, what, what outcomes have you had since we last talked? Secondly, what are your goals? Where do you, you know, where do you want to be? What's your vision? To basically bring back the, the gap between where they want to be and where they are right now. Um, and then I would ask, like you said, I would ask what's missing now? And what's missing is, you can ask that every, every day, right? You could say, well, what's missing is my salary is too low or what's missing is I'm not spending enough time on, on my workouts. 
what's missing is people stick their head in and, and, and say, oh, could you just sign this thing? And then I get late to the gym and I can't do it. Uh, and then what's next, right? So, so basically, what results have you had? Let's remember where you want to go or what your goals are. What's missing and what's next? Very, very simple. Doesn't require a lot of uh, psychology or ontology. <laughs> Uh, now, obviously, one can do it a lot more sophisticated, but that's basically the bottom line, what I would call coaching in action. Amazing. So one of the great things that uh, I extrapolated in my research for you is, as you said, you can use language to lead yourself, your team, and uh, your community ultimately to success. I'd love to talk about that because, I mean, language is such a powerful part of, uh, well, any relationship, I guess, isn't it? It's the, the ability to convey yourself in a clear way. The ability to um, articulate what you're trying to convey in a way the other person will interpret in the way you're trying to have them interpret it. I had that awareness brought to me recently. It's like just because I'm saying something doesn't mean your brain interprets it the way I'm trying to convey it. And uh, <laughs> right, it's very true. Yes, and, and especially especially with children. Um, and, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I would love to hear your perspective or your approach on using language to lead yourself and lead your, your clients and lead your team and uh, whomever. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up uh, because that, that really is the core of, of my entire approach. Uh, first of all, what you said about communication is, is absolutely right. Uh, the, the British playwright George Bernard Shaw said once the greatest problem about communication is the illusion that it's been accomplished. Right? So we think, we may think that we communicate it, uh, but then suddenly there's a huge upset and, and, and I go, well, well, I didn't mean it that way. But the person says, well, yeah, but that's how I heard it. Right? So right. It's like complete miscommunication. Yeah. One, one statement I often use is I hear you, but I don't understand. And I'm like, I, <laughs> so I hear what you're saying, but your language is different than my brain wants to interpret it. So let's get some clarity here, right? So I hear you, exactly. but I don't So let's go deeper because I need to understand this in a different way. And that helps me get exactly. clarity. Yeah. Exactly. Now, to go a level deeper, I, my fundamental, I would say, belief in life is, uh, and, and I've really found this over time, is that life is consisting of conversations and that sounds probably very weird and abstract but basically the, the german philosopher martin heidegger said it this way language is the house of being so whatever i say uh, for example if if my wife said you know i must go to work then the word must in that sentence conveys that you are forced to do something that you're yeah. not free that you're a prisoner of somebody else, you're a victim. So language is immensely powerful. And you know, if we want to get religious, we could even say that, you know, God created the world in, in 10 sentences or in the beginning there shall be light, right? Uh, and there was light. So, but it doesn't matter whether you believe in God or not. It's, it's basically whatever comes out of your mouth and also what goes into your ears will determine reality and by the way i'm not saying that this is true okay we don't know if this is true but it's surely a very very powerful way to live what if i lived in such a way that my words 
creates the world, that whatever I say will become reality. That's basically my, my philosophy. And so if life consists of conversations, rather than, you know, this table that my computer is on and, and you know, the, these, these earphones, uh, that basically, even if you look at matter uh, that's, that looks very stable, if you look at it at this subatomic level, physicists tell us that it doesn't really exist. I mean, it, you know, reality is not fixed. I can deconstruct the strawberry and reconstruct it as toothpaste um, by taking away, taking apart the atoms. Now, again, I don't want to get too philosophical here or too quantum physical, <laughs> uh, but if I live this way, that my word counts, then suddenly what comes out of my mouth becomes very, very critical, right? Do I blame somebody? Do I, do I accuse them of something? Do, do I make excuses? Uh, you know, I couldn't do it because that's the biggest justification in the world. The issue is you didn't do it. I don't want to know your reasons. I don't want to know the excuses and justifications or the stories uh, because my grandmother or my dog ate the homework or whatever. To actually live in such a way that, you know, I will do X, Y, Z. And by the way, that's the highest level of the pyramid. It's the action level. I'm making promises and I'm making requests. That's basically the fundamental unit of conversation for action. Right? If you want to take an action or if you want your client to take an action, you simply make a request. And then they have a choice whether they want to accept the request, decline the request or counter offer. If they counter-offer or accept, that becomes their commitment. If they're declining, they don't have to give a reason. They can just say, thank you for inviting me to do this. I'm not going to do it. Fine. Yeah. That's, one of, the most, most, right? the that's one of the most powerful things I learned having a coach myself was exactly what you just said there is they'll make a request. Rather than saying, hey, go do this, they'll make a request to have me do it. And then I'll have, they'll have me say, yes, I will do it. And we agree. This is a commitment. Uh, and he also suggested that this um, dynamic balance between are you interested or are you committed, right? And if you commit to yeah. me, it's your word, nothing else matters. If you're interested, then you're not likely to do it. So he said, when you make a commitment, if I make a request, you make a commitment, it's considered your word and blood, it, it's a promise. And I think yeah. that's a powerful thing to do with, with people. And then, then it's accountability is built in. They, they have, they're, they're accountable to themselves, we hope, and at very least they're accountable to you. That's exactly right. And, and, and by virtue of making that promise or that commitment, they, they are then the committed speaker. And then you are what I would call a committed listener. So yeah. you, your job as a coach is to listen to their commitments with a commitment that they accomplish it. Right. So you're not just a listener like, well, let's see how you do or, you know, wait and see. Good luck. Uh, that's kind of the, that's what a friend might say. But a coach will say, I'm committed to your commitments, okay? And in order to commit, I need to let you know, for example, that I don't quite get that you're going to do it. I think your structure is not sufficient. So can you demonstrate to me how you're going to do this? But then I, do, I don't do it from criti criticizing or, or belittling. Uh, I do it from wanting them to succeed. And I, I, as a committed listener, I can call into question and say, you know what? 
the way you said that sounded to me more like a desire or like a New Year's resolution. It didn't sound like a commitment. Let's look at that. Okay. And, and I, I don't mean to insult you, but I, I just didn't get that you're really committed to this. And we're going to work on that until they have an absolutely airtight commitment. And, and in order to do that, they might need to do some work on the strategy or the, or the planning so that, that the commitment can be authentic, right? So what you said right there, I think is maybe the most powerful thing that I want to learn is when I'm communicating with my team or when I'm communicating with my coaches to get that commitment uh, rather than, so what it sounded like you had in there is, is like, yeah, there's a breakdown, there's a breakdown of what I'm expecting and, there's, and there's, a, there's a disconnect from what you're, you're, you're wanting to deliver and what I'm expecting. And then bridging that gap is, I think, where magic happens, right? If you're if you're trying to articulate something to me, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, that sounds great. Like you said, it sounds like a New Year's resolution. I'm not 100% committed. How do I, you know, maybe suggest one of your books, or how do I start bridging that gap? Because um, you know, you alluded to it, like, hey, you have to do this, but that to me sounds like a lot of um, language, a lot of precise communication a lot of willingness to ask the hard questions, a lot of, like you said, you may, may, may offend somebody, but as a leader, like that's your job. Your job is to, to manage expectations, manage relationships, and ultimately get results. So I'd love to have you walk us through the process. And, and if, if you could recommend one of your books, I'll be the first one to buy it. Um, <laughs> well, because that, I have that breakdown a lot. Like I, I'll, you know, I'll have a meeting with my team and I'll say, hey, I need this done by Friday. Can you do that? They say, yes. And come Friday, it's not done. Okay, where's the breakdown? Right. And right. so I think a lot of us face that. Yeah, exactly. So, so two things. Uh, one, I want to talk about how to firm up a commitment. And then secondly, I want to talk about breakdowns. So if you could just help me remember, <laughs> because my brain is beginning to be very unreliable as a storage device. Yeah. Um, so, so about commitment, what I do a lot when, and I, and I described this in the, in the iCoach book as well. Um, when somebody makes a commitment, I will ask them, do you have any doubts or reservations about yeah. making this commitment? Now, obviously, it comes from my name, doubt, again, as uh, rifle. But, but seriously, if, if I can introduce that element, do you have any doubts or reservations about making this commitment? Number one, I kind of take the wind out of their sails. So, so any any trepidations they might have, anything that might be in the way for them of, of making a really authentic commitment that's their choice and their freedom uh, will show up, right? I kind of force it on the table. Um, and the other thing is also, if, if the person doesn't have a choice to say no, then the yes will not be truly authentic, right? So, so you need to give them the room even though it may sound kind of pessimistic or it sounds a little bit like you're doubting their commitment or, or you're giving them a way out, but actually that choice will lead to a truly authentic commitment, paradoxically in a way. Yeah. So that's number one. Then number two, uh, breakdowns are, uh, are a distinction on the, on the action level of the pyramid. And your job as a coach is actually to constantly declare breakdowns. And when I say declare breakdowns, again, that's an act of language. Declaring a breakdown is basically saying, you know what, we wanted to be, uh, we wanted to generate 5 million euros in sales. 
It's already August. We've only generated 1 million. I declare a breakdown. Something is completely not working here. But I'm not saying that it's bad or wrong or problematic. I'm not saying it's a problem. I'm saying I declare a breakdown, which is simply an interruption of a commitment. So in other words, let's say if, if I'm late for, uh, for work or I miss the bus, okay, on the way to work, that's only a breakdown because I had a commitment to be at work at 8.30 a.m. If I don't have a commitment, there is no breakdown. I can just lie around on the couch and watch TV and be a vegetable. Yeah. Another way of saying this is breakdowns come with the territory of having commitments. The moment you make a commitment that's not predictable, that is outside of what's, what's predictable, you will have breakdowns. Life will show up and, and it will put barriers in, in your way. And then the question is, what do you do with, with those breakdowns, right? Uh, you, can, you can treat them like a problem that shouldn't be there and you're ashamed. And we all do this, right? We're ashamed. We, we, we try to hide it. We hope for the best. We hope that somebody else is going to handle it. These are all human responses to breakdowns, but they're all totally counterproductive. And the only productive way is to actually, number one, declare the breakdown and say, I don't care what you think about me, but I'm going to say this is insufficient. What we're doing is insufficient or what you're doing is insufficient to, to your promise. Number two, you revisit the commitment in the background. So you basically say, you may have forgotten because of this breakdown, you know, the slide projector broke down and you don't know what to do. You may have forgotten your commitment in the first place. Yeah. But your commitment was X, Y, Z. And then number three is you look at new options to achieve the commitment because obviously that option ran into a wall. That didn't work out. Yeah. And there's, there's this wonderful story. I, I'll, I'll tell it in a minute. You go first. No, you go. Yeah, just okay, it's just a, a beautiful story, a very funny story actually about, the, about breakdowns. You know, Pfizer, which is currently in the news about the uh, the corona epidemic, uh, the corona vaccine, uh, Pfizer uh, researched a drug, uh, a cardiovascular drug, right? And they tested it on men and women. And on the men, the drug had a big side effect. Okay. So at first, the, the, the people in the lab, the technicians basically wanted to go back to the drawing board and develop a better cardiovascular drug. But then the marketing people came and said, hey, let's, let's put very big print on the bottle and say this, this drug, sildenafil, could have unwelcome side effects, right? Blood flow to the penis, etc. And uh, they called that, that drug a lifestyle drug and they called it Viagra. And that Viagra has become, I think, the number three best-selling drug in the history of pharmaceuticals, right? And it all came out of a breakdown. The breakdown was uh, a, a, a malfunction of the drug with men, right? And yeah. out of that breakdown comes a huge breakthrough. But you have to remember your commitment in the background. That's great. So one thing that came up is um, it sounds like if you're, if you're trying to create a, you know, ultimately, you're trying to create a culture of transparency. So when you're you know, if you're asking people to declare their breakthroughs or their mm -hmm. breakdowns, uh, it's a it's a requirement then that people feel comfortable in that culture to be able to do that. And I think there's a lot of businesses out there, a lot of teams out there 
where if someone has a breakdown, they get reprimanded, they, they, have, they get punitive experiences. And I think um, this, this idea of creating a culture of transparency has to start you know, as the foundation of it all and giving people the space to show up and declare their inadequacy or declare their breakdown or whatever, their, their challenge, their barriers. And, and a book that comes to mind, I don't know if you've read this, is, are you familiar with who Ray Dalio is? He wrote- um, Yes, of course, of course. Okay, so Ray Dalio um, you know, wrote some amazing, amazing book called Principles. And he speaks about, uh, you know, he's the most, for people who don't know, he's the most, uh, one of the most successful hedge fund managers of all time. Uh, one of the wealthiest men on the planet. And he said, that's how he created that culture. It was like being able to make those statements of transparency. And so when he was doing something incorrectly, people could, you know, push and point it out to him when anyone was doing something that wasn't up to their standard as a team, as a community, as a culture, he encouraged and, and uh, almost necessitated, hey, we're going to point this out. So we all hold each other to the highest standard. I think that's incredibly powerful, but I also think it's incredibly challenging in the culture we live in because everybody, you, know, you, you can't step on anybody's toes and you have to be very careful with what you say. And like everything is, is getting into this mediocre conformity space. And that's a very challenging thing to create. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's why I said, you know, the, the, the shame that we feel that, oh, something is going wrong or I'm, I'm not achieving my goal. I hope nobody finds out, you know, so I hide it. Yeah. I used to have a, I used to have a financial manager in, in, in my company who basically with the best and most noble intention, he, he hid from me financial problems that existed in the company. Right. So, and I had to tell him, you know, you need to tell me that something is wrong. Don't work all night to try to fix it before I find out. That's the most, while it's a very noble uh, intention, it's it's actually a very counterproductive because it will it will make sure that the that the problem will persist, right? I mean, if you think of uh, NASA, for example, you know all the the, the space disasters that, that have happened with different spacecraft were usually a function of hiding a malfunction, or you know Xerox comes to mind, uh, companies that that had great difficulty because they didn't have that culture of transparency or that culture of straight talk. And I call it straight talk. And, and by the way, in Switzerland, we, we sometimes lack that. We're so neutral and diplomatic and everybody is nice to each other. But sometimes you have to actually call a spade a spade and say, hey, this is going in the wrong direction. And there has to be, like you said, there has to be the trust in the organization or in the relationship, right? If it's between a a gym owner and, and their client, for example, or between a coach and a coachee, there has to be that trust. If I say something that, that, that's going against the grain, that I won't be reprimanded, I won't be punished, I won't be fired. On the contrary, it's, it's the raw material for success. You know, Churchill said famously that uh, success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. And I think that's really what it is. It, all those leaders, you know, Nelson Mandela said that, that a leader doesn't never fall. A leader falls every time and then gets up quickly. That's the key, right? The, the key is how quickly can you recover, not whether you never fall. If you never fall, your commitments are not big enough. You need bigger commitments, so you actually fail every once in a while. Failing is, is, is useful. Failing is great for innovation, just like doubt. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, one of my favorite quotes that I use probably too often is, is set the type of goals that make something of you to achieve them. And that requires by necessity failing a good percentage of the time because you're always stretching as a person to achieve those goals. And uh, it resonates deep in my heart to, to always set big goals. Uh, Dr. Zweifel, it's been absolutely incredible conversation. I would love to have you um, suggest which one of your books that our audience should start with and head out and pick up right now. That's great. Uh, so one I said already, right? So it's this iCoach, yeah. uh, and it says uh, the simple little formula for freeing yourself because you will actually be able to have leadership located in other people, which means you can move on to greener pastures. You can free yourself from, uh, from constraints, uh, boosting people power and changing the world. So I actually believe that this coaching approach will ultimately uh, and that's my intention, will ultimately generate so many leaders around the world that we can literally uh, fix the world's problems. And, and we all know that there's some more work left to do there. Uh, the other one that's, that's a possibility is uh, leadership in 100 days. If people want to know more about this pyramid and you know, how to move from uh, self-awareness to relationship to vision, strategy, and action, uh, it's, it's basically... It's not really a book. It's, a, it's more like a coach in a book where you uh, create a catalytic project uh, for 100 days where you produce a breakthrough. And then during those 100 days, every day you get a, a little mini lesson for, uh, for your leadership. And finally, I want to uh, just offer a link. I think you will uh, put that link on the screen or afterwards. Yeah. Uh, a lot of... A lot of times I see that people have time issues. Uh, you know, they, they don't know how to manage their time to get it all done, right? And I actually found out it's not about managing time. It's about managing commitments. And I created a, a brief video that shows you how to manage those commitments uh, and, and gives you four, I think, four key lessons. Um, and uh, so I just encourage people to watch that video. And it goes beyond what we said today. Amazing. I will definitely link to that in the show notes and everyone can check that out over at muscleintelligence.com slash podcast. Dr. Zeifel, thank you very much. Um, honestly, incredible. And I'm so grateful for your time because I know you're an incredibly uh, busy man. <laughs> well, thank you. And by the way, thank you for the quality of your questions and the quality of your listening. It tells me that you are a very competent, gifted leader because the way you listen and the way you uh, provide what's missing in your listening is, is truly remarkable. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's a wrap, ladies and gents, boys and girls. Thank you so much for being here. I'm doing cool stuff in my life, and I want to know what you want to hear about. Um, I've been bombarded over the last few weeks with questions from listeners asking what I'm doing. So I would love to give you some updates, but tell me what you want to hear about. Leave me a comment on social media or on iTunes and leave us a review and tell us how much you love the podcast. If it's something that you want us to improve in the podcast, let us know. If it's a guest you want to have on the podcast, let us know. We are here to serve you, and ultimately we're here to serve the planet to live our greatest life in the body we love. So something that I'm really focused on lately, it, and well, you know this because you hear me talk about this stuff all the time, is the understanding and integration of how we can use everything we're already doing to thrive, right? So everything in life, it seems, 
has a dichotomous nature, meaning it's black, it's white, it's hot, it's cold, right? So we can either step into our greatness or we can step into being a victim. That seems like it's the reality in life. And being able to make you more aware, ultimately make me more aware of these little nuances that exist in everything we do, changing your perception can completely change everything for you. It's not easy to change your life, is it? Once we've established habits, we've established a lot about who we are, our default mode network thinks in a very specific way, changing that can be very, very challenging. However, it's not impossible. There's going to be a little resistance, physical resistance sometimes, mental resistance, ego uh, resistance sometimes, these things happen, but you can still do it. We're here to support you. We're building an incredible network of human beings, lifting up each other to ultimately lift up the entire human species. That's why we're here, right? We're raising the consciousness of humanity through conscious exercise, through mindfulness, through just being a better human being, being a better version of yourself, accepting who you are at your soul so that you can allow people to love you and then you can love people as well. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by bobsnaturals.com. Thank you so much to Bubs. I am eternally grateful to that company for not only putting out amazing products, but for supporting this podcast, allowing me to do what I love, to share this amazing information with you, for people all around the world, uniting us on this common journey, ultimately helping us live our greatest life, stepping into your greatness, knowing it's already existing in your soul. You don't have to go outside of yourself to find it. You have to go inside of yourself to find it. And maybe there's a few layers and beliefs and things that live on top of it, but every one of you, every one of us has greatness inside of us and we're here to lift each other up. I love you. I appreciate you. Have an amazing day. And over to bubsnaturals.com and use the code Ben to get 20% off because they're supporting us. And we're going to support you. Take care, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.